So we are in uh, Matthew chapter 5 once again. Um, We are completing the series on this portion of Jesus' teaching that uh, we call the Beatitudes. And uh, because this is the end of the series, and because it's my first time to chime in on this stuff, we're going to spend a little time doing kind of uh, summary conclusion stuff and some overview of all the Beatitudes. And then also we'll be getting into um, uh, a little more digging into the final Beatitude will be our main focus today. But this first part is going to be some review of what Mike has been teaching over the last few weeks and and also some of my own thoughts about the text will be included too. So we're going to find this uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 5. It says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds... He went up on a mountainside and sat down. And his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Each of these verses uh, starts out with the same word. I'm sure you've noticed that. They all start with blessed, right? Or blessed. But what uh, what does that really mean? Jesus is telling us here what kind of person throughout all these, what kind of person does Jesus consider to be blessed? But what does that mean to, to, to consider someone to be blessed? Well, someone who is blessed, in the sense that Jesus means it here, is someone who is in an enviable position in life. You know, that guy's really blessed. He's, he's really in a, in a great place. It's somebody who's worthy to be congratulated. And look, look at what this guy's, where he is, what he's accomplished. Someone who has their act together in life and is doing great. It's, those are the people that are blessed in the way that Jesus is talking about here. Are the people, these are the people that we look up to and say, man, I wish I was like that guy. I wish I was like her, man. Those, are, those people are blessed. And that, that is, um, is what Jesus is getting at here. He's describing the kinds of people who are really blessed. See, he's, he's, uh, here's the question that, um, that will tell you a lot about the way that you see life. Who do you really consider to be the person who is in that enviable position that you really want to look up to and, and be like? What kind of people do you, do, you, uh, do you admire? What kinds of things do you wish you had in your life? In other words, what do you really value? What are your core, core values? Um, in the Beatitudes, we see the characteristics that Jesus considered to be blessed. We see the core values of what he thought marked success. And the question that has been asked almost every week during this series is, are these your core values? We've talked about how these are are Jesus' core values. These are things that are really 
the most important values to him right at the core of his being. But are they your core values? Do you value the things that Jesus values? Are these the things that you consider to be enviable and admirable when you see them in others? You know, Jesus' list is a little different. You know, what, what kind of people do we usually look up to in this way? What kind of people are generally admired? What's our natural tendency? I think most people's lists would include things like the rich, the beautiful, maybe sports heroes really look up to those guys, or, uh, or people with perfect families, people who are successful in their careers and have widespread uh, admiration and respect from others. Those are the kinds of people that most of us would describe as blessed. But Jesus has a very, a, a very different uh, look to his list. Some of the things that, that, uh, that Jesus lists off here are generally thought of as good things, right? To be pure in heart or to be peacemakers. Those are the kinds of things that maybe those, we wouldn't put them in our core values, but when we think about them, we're like, oh yeah, those are really good things. Those are really admirable. Most people would admire that. I mean, we've got the Nobel Peace Prize, right? One of the, one of the uh, most uh, greatest honors that someone can have is an award for being a peacemaker. So those things are really um, kind of generally accepted. But overall, this list is a whole lot different from the typical list of who is blessed. People who are in mourning or the meek or especially the one we're going to look at today, those who are persecuted and slandered and insulted. That doesn't sound like something I want to imitate. But these are the kinds of people that Jesus considers to be blessed. Wealth, beauty, talent, respect, not on his list. Notice here that the the Beatitudes, as Jesus lists them, are mostly about character rather than behavior. See, God is more concerned with who you are rather than just what you do. Now, we can't make a a really sharp distinction between who you are and what you do because generally your behavior is going to to come out of of who you are and your character. But, um, But still, this list describes for the most part character qualities rather than a bunch of do's and don'ts. And I think that's a really important point because a lot of times we tend to think of Christianity as what it's really all about is doing the right things and not doing the wrong things. It's about following the rules and, uh, and, and being a, a nice person, but that's not God's main concern. When Jesus described the people that he considered blessed, he talked more about who they are rather than what they do. Now, why is that? Well, I think one reason is that to a certain extent, you can fake behavior. Right? You can kind of put on a front for other people and you can, you, can, uh, you can act in public and make yourself look pretty good in front of people. But God cares about who you really are, not just about the outward actions that people can see. Another thing to notice about, um, about the Beatitudes as a whole is that they're, in at least one very important way, they're not like spiritual gifts. You know, the the concept of spiritual gifts, the Bible teaches that uh, every Christian is given certain gifts and and so that the church as a whole has all the the skills and gifts that is needed for the church to function properly. 
But the Bible is very clear that no one person has all the gifts. God did it that way so that we would need one another and that only by working together as a church would we really be able to function properly and and live out the Christian life in the way it should be. But the Beatitudes aren't like that. Um, They're not not where uh, some are for some people and some are for other people. All of these Beatitudes are for all of us. We don't get to, to pick and choose in this passage and say, well, you know, that one, uh, it, it, that's not really my thing. I'm really good at being merciful and maybe hungering and thirsting for righteousness, but, you know, meekness and peacemaking, mm, not so much. Um, but we can't do that with these. Every one of these is for you. That means that if you have a personality that goes against one or the other of these, uh, that doesn't give you an excuse. Have you ever taken one of those personality tests? You know, the Myers-Briggs or the MPPI, MMPI or, or, or one of those things like that? Those things can be fun and, and interesting, and you can, it can help you to learn a little bit about yourself and about the people that you, uh, you know, whose other results you see and stuff. But, but here's the thing. Um, when it comes to the Beatitudes, you may not say, you know, my personality, according to Myers-Briggs, just doesn't match up with that one. And so I'm going to leave that to somebody else. And I'm going to, you know, focus on these other things over here. Um, you know, it, it, there, there are applications where that might work, but not with the Beatitudes. Because these all stick together. They're all one unit. And, and, uh, and they're all for all of us. And, and here's the thing is... These things don't come effortlessly to anyone, no matter what your personality is. Um, They're all counter to our normal human dispositions. Our natural inclination is not to be priestmakers, it's to spread gossip. That's what we really want to do, right? And and our, 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 our natural desires are not to be merciful, it's to seek revenge. And and on down the list. These beatitudes are fruits of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. Just as much as the, the fruits that we think about in Galatians, the fruits of the Spirit, these things all too are, they are the work of, of God in your life. So if you feel like, man, that one is just too hard for me, hey, that's an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to really work in your life and help you to, uh, to learn to live that way too. So I want everybody to think for a minute here about this question. As we're coming to the conclusion of the Beatitudes, I want you to ask yourself, what does God expect me to do about Jesus' teaching on these Beatitudes? What does he want to change in your life? Jesus is challenging us here to reorder our thought processes. He's telling us that we must change the way we see the world that we must change the way that we see what it means to be truly successful. And that in light of these changes, we should redirect our ambitions, our efforts, and our energies towards these new ways of thinking. And that is not a small thing. What we should do as a result of this study we've done on the, on the Beatitudes is not just, okay, we need to make us little adjustment here to some behavior or something that we do. No, what what Jesus is asking here is for a, a real refocusing and rethinking of our core values, 
That's your core. That hopefully most of us have heard this stuff before. We've been Christians for a little while. We've had the impact of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and it uh, might not take a, a total change of direction from you right now. But compared to the way we were before we knew Christ, this requires a total change of direction. So think about that. Where is it that you need to change still? Which of these Beatitudes is one that you need to really take to heart and, uh, and make, some, make some changes in your life? So all of that uh, sets the stage for the final Beatitude of our passage, which really is kind of a climax of the passage. Um, and that's the one we're going to look at in more detail now. So here it is. Uh, this is starting in verse uh, 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, the way that Jesus tells this particular beatitude is a little different than the way he did all the rest of them. Um, It really looks like the end of verse 10 is the end of the Beatitudes. It follows the pattern of all the rest of them, right? Of one line of, uh, blessed are these people, and then one line of, here's why they're blessed, right? So it says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And did you notice also that that, that the promise there, the reason, is the same as it was for the first beatitude? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That first one back in uh, verse 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And now again, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So that kind of, it bookends the the whole section there and really shows that this is all one unit. These are not just some similar sayings that have been gathered together and and listed off, but this is a a whole thing that works together um, as as a section of teaching. And, and so, uh, boy, does it look like um, the, the, the passage should end right there. But instead, um, he goes on in the next section there to repeat and expand on that last beatitude. So why do you think Jesus did that? All the rest of the beatitudes were allowed to just stand alone as a simple, here's the saying. But this one, he wanted to expand and and explain a little more and repeat. And um, the reason is that this one, even more than the others, is really a truly shockingly different thing to value and admire and to seek after. And this one is the one where, you know, the other ones might be different from our natural inclinations, but we can see how they're really good things. It might not come naturally to be a peacemaker or to be pure in heart, but we can see that those are really good things to do. We can see that having a great desire and hunger and thirst for greater righteousness, that's an admirable trait. But this one, blessed are those who are persecuted. How is that a good thing? Jesus must not have meant that literally, right? We've got to find some kind of a figurative spiritual interpretation to 
kind of figure out what, what, what's he really trying to say here. Uh, Jesus must not mean something, can't be meaning what it seems to mean, right? And so Jesus knew that we would struggle with this one. And so that's why he explained it a little more, repeated it for us to make sure that we didn't miss it. He didn't want us to miss the point. So, what does it mean to be persecuted? Blessed are those who are persecuted. Now, we tend to think of persecution, you know, that's mainly the physical stuff, right? What we think of, uh, like, back in the early days of Christianity with the Roman Empire, and they would throw Christians into the Colosseum and feed them to the lions, and that's persecution. And, um, and that's, that's right, it is. And that kind of thing has gone on for centuries, and there is still, maybe not lions, but there's still that kind of thing going on even now. Um, the Bible talks about persecution in the book of Hebrews. Uh, end of chapter 11. It says, uh, There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. God's people have been, are now, and will be persecuted. Some of God's people will experience the kinds of things described here. Just last year, terrorists released a video of a group of Christians being beheaded with swords. But the persecution that Jesus is talking about here also comes in less dramatic and less violent forms. And Jesus certainly acknowledges that most of us won't ever have to face someone who wants to behead us with a sword or wants to saw us in two. There's another kind of persecution that the Bible talks about, and that is economic persecution. Now, I... I Got to see some of that uh, up close. Back in the mid-90s, I spent a summer on a short-term missions trip in Pakistan. And uh, my team worked with a group of Pakistani Christians doing some construction projects and discipling some young Pakistani kids. And, uh, you know, Pakistan is about 96% Muslim uh, and only about 1.5% Christian. But it's a pretty populous country, so that small percentage of Christians actually comes out to 2.8 million Christians in Pakistan. And uh, Pakistani Christians, they do have legal protections. They're free to worship openly. There's big churches with big steeples on them that, uh, that I went to there. And, and, uh, and uh, uh, there are legal restrictions, though. For instance, uh, Pakistani law does not allow Christians to attempt to convert a Muslim. Um, but legally speaking, Christians in Pakistan are not really persecuted exactly. It's not illegal to be a Christian. And the government really does attempt to protect Christians from attacks by extremists. It's not the ancient Roman Empire where Christians are just executed in the arena. However, Pakistani Christians are, as a group, much poorer than the population as a whole. 
there is an economic prejudice against Christians by the Muslim majority that just makes it really hard for a Christian to get a good job or makes it really hard for a Christian businessman to get a contract. And so the Christians in Pakistan are very economically persecuted. And that happens to varying degrees in many parts of the world. And I don't doubt that occasionally, that kind of thing, there's incidents of that even here in America, where somebody just doesn't want to do business with you because you're a Christian. But then in the extended part of the beatitude here, verse uh, 11, Jesus also includes insults and false accusations. Those are much more common types of persecution, and they are part of what Jesus is talking about here. That's the kind of thing that you'll be much more likely to experience here in Anchorage. Jesus says specifically that people are blessed when they're persecuted if that persecution is the result of righteousness or because of your association with Jesus himself. Now, he doesn't say that we're blessed when we're persecuted because we lack tact in speaking about God. And he doesn't say that we're blessed when we're persecuted because we have a condemning attitude toward others. And he doesn't say we're blessed when we're persecuted because we're hypocrites who talk about righteousness but don't live it. Now, all of those things probably will result in persecution. And sadly, those are things that are not that uncommon among Christians. However, that's not what Jesus is talking about here. That's not the kind of person that Jesus calls blessed. He says we're blessed when we're persecuted because of righteousness. But what kind of righteousness causes people to react with insults and lies and persecution? When you live your life in a godly, righteous way, you will be significantly different from those around you. And a lot of times, people don't like people who are different. Here's what the Bible says. It says, they are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. So that's one reason that people persecute you for righteousness. It's because you don't join them in their sin. And when your good behavior contrasts with their bad behavior, they don't like it. It makes them look bad. It makes them feel bad. And so some people respond by heaping abuse on you for not joining in. But there's more to righteousness than abstaining from reckless, wild living, right? Righteous living is primarily about doing good, not about not doing evil. And most of the time when we practice righteousness, even people who are not followers of Jesus will recognize and approve good things that we're doing. The Bible says... uh, Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. I think Peter got that idea from the Beatitudes. But um, there it is. Sometimes, even though we're doing good, people will still uh, want to harm you or cause you to suffer. There are times when doing the right thing will result in people seeking to harm you. Sometimes that's for basically the same reason that people don't like it when you won't join them in their sins. That is, you make them look bad. Your good actions 
contrast with their lack of good actions, and they don't like it. And so for that reason, sometimes people um, will react badly. The other thing is sometimes it's because people see good as evil and evil as good. That is, they perceive the good that you are doing to be evil. And here's the, uh, the, the, the biggest example of that, of that kind of reverse thinking, is the preaching of the gospel. See, it's a very good thing. In fact, it's the greatest good that we can do to present to someone the truth about salvation that is available to them in Jesus. It is a kind and loving thing to warn people about the coming judgment and to attempt to persuade them to give up their old way of life, to repent of their sins and their false beliefs, and to become Christians. But many people don't see that as a good thing at all. They see it as arrogance, hatefulness, and bigotry for us to tell someone else that the religious beliefs that they were taught by their culture are wrong. telling them that they should abandon the faith of their ancestors and instead believe what we believe. That doesn't sound like doing good at all to a lot of people. We can try to explain that the reason we say these things is because they are true, not because we believe them or because our culture believes them. But no matter how well you explain and no matter how much you show love and respect while you're presenting the gospel, there are many people who will condemn and persecute you for that righteous act. Here's what Jesus said. He said, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. There's a couple of applications here that I want to emphasize as we're uh, coming toward the end here. First is that when you find that you are mistreated because of your righteous lifestyle or because you're a Christian, be encouraged. Be encouraged. It is those who live in such a righteous way that they bring opposition on themselves. Those are the people that are promised the kingdom of heaven. And secondly, If you don't find that you are experiencing much opposition to your faith, if you don't find that people look down on you because of your Christianity, you should ask yourself, why not? Now, uh, maybe it's because you're just experiencing a time of good favor. In in the book of Acts, it tells us about how when the the church was first founded, after the day of Pentecost and the the first few thousand uh, believers were all there in Jerusalem, it says that they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Enjoying the favor of all the people. So maybe if you aren't facing any opposition, you're experiencing a time like the early church enjoyed. If so, that's great. I hope it lasts a long time. I didn't actually end up lasting all that long for those first Christians in, uh, in the early church. They soon found that they were widely condemned and violently persecuted. But here's the thing. If you find that you have no opposition to your faith, there is another possible explanation. It could be that your life is just not significantly different 
from the lives of the people around you who are not following Jesus. If you're blending in perfectly, then why would anyone persecute you? And that is why Jesus declares that those who are persecuted for righteousness are blessed. They are the people who are on the right track. They are the ones who have the right values. Not that we're supposed to value opposition and mistreatment. We are to value righteousness. And when we live such righteous lives that they contrast so strongly with the people around us that it causes them to persecute us, that is some righteous living. That is, someone who knows how to live in a way that pleases God. That's the person that is persecuted for righteousness' sake. That's someone whose values are in line with Jesus' values. So, if you find that people put you down and mistreat you because of your faith, be encouraged. And if you find that you never face opposition, you need to ask yourself why. Is it because you're failing to live a righteous life? 